Welcome to the Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bell, and I interview business leaders who are committed to their own growth and the development of everyone on their team. If you enjoy my podcast, be sure to subscribe and rate it on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for joining me today. I am Meredith Bell, your host, and I am the heart-centered connector. Effective communication is at the heart of every connection I make, and it has to be at the heart of every workplace for people to thrive. And that's why my company, GrowStrongLeaders.com, sponsors this podcast. We are on fire about getting our exceptional books and tools into the hands of millions of people in the workplace. You can learn more at GrowStrongLeaders.com. I am super excited today to welcome as my guest, David Meltzer. Welcome, David. Thank you for having me. Well, David, I want to first give a shout out to our mutual friend and your coach, Blaine Bartlett, who introduced us and invited me to be on your Office Hours show where we had a great experience and I got to observe firsthand David's positive energy and his life wisdom. And I instantly knew I had to invite him to be a guest on my show. David is the co-founder and CEO of Sports One Marketing. And before that, he served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the movie, Jerry Maguire. David has been recognized by so many organizations for his philanthropic work And he was recognized by Variety Magazine as their Sports Humanitarian of the Year. He's the author of two books that I have, Connected to Goodness, which is wonderful, and also Compassionate Capitalism, which he co-authored with Blaine Bartlett. And then his latest book is Game Time Decision-Making. David's mission, I think my listeners will love this, is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. And this simple yet powerful mission has led him on an incredible journey to provide one thing, value. In all his content and communication, that's exactly what you'll receive. And you're going to see this in our conversation today. So David, let's get started. First, give us a condensed version of your journey to the work you're doing today in this mission that you've created. You know, it's really a journey that is my relationship to abundance. And the first is I grew up in a world of scarcity, a world of not enough, a single mom, six kids, five boys and a girl. My mom worked two jobs, packed my dinner in a paper bag just so we could eat and filled up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards. But her job or her mission was to empower her six children to be happy through education. So, you know, she believed the fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. You're either a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. And my siblings subscribed to her lessons and ended up going to Harvard, Penn, Columbia, graduating summa cum laude with full scholarships. But I wanted one thing from the time I was five years old when my dad left. I wanted to be rich. And the reason I wanted to be rich is I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car because the only time I wasn't happy as a child was when there's financial distress. 
car would break down. We didn't have the money for the rent. We didn't have money for food. We were worried, could never go to summer camp. And my poor mom, I'd catch her crying over financial worries. And I said to myself, I'm going to complete this uh, happiness in my life. I'm going to fulfill happiness by making a lot of money to buy my mom this house in a car. And that journey led me to 1992 when I graduated law school. And I got two job offers, one to be an oil and gas litigator and make 150,000 plus bonuses or to work in the internet in 1992 to make $250,000 selling legal research online. When I asked my mother what I should do, she instantly told me to be a real lawyer, that the internet was a fad, that I was going to lose everything. It would be the biggest mistake of my life. And I learned a valuable lesson. Just because somebody loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. In fact, there's only ignorant people in the world. There's ignorant, arrogant people, which I thought were liars, manipulators, and cheaters, but they're also ignorant, arrogance, and love that your mom especially wants to protect you so much, they pretend to know what they don't know. You don't ask a second grade teacher about the internet in 1992, that's for sure. But my mom loves me in the ignorant arrogance of love. And then there's ignorant humility that is what I strive to live in, which is I don't know what I don't know. Implementing Xander's rule number six, I don't take myself so seriously. I live with gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. Well, I moved from, in nine months, the world of not enough, where I was a victim, everything happened to me. I would ask, why don't I have this? To a new world, a world of just enough. I was a millionaire nine months out of law school. I lived in a world of for me. Everything was for me, a world of just enough. If I wasn't happy, I'd buy more things, different things, all types of things. I'd buy things to impress people. Even if I wasn't happy, I'd buy things to impress people I didn't even like. And this journey led me to understanding my relationship to money. My relationship with money at that time was a zero-sum game. The more I receive, somebody else would lose. If I gave something, it was to receive something. Everything was a trade, a negotiation. It's still a scarce world. Even though I gave a lot to charity, there was always some sort of repercussion that I wanted, some sort of acknowledgement or recognition. And finally, in my journey, I lost over $100 million to find a new world, a world of more than enough, a world where I live in limitlessness and infinity, in abundance. And I've been able over the last 16 years to utilize the perspective, the gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration with my skill set and knowledge. Remember, your skill set and knowledge is your basement. Your desire is your potential to be able to not only make it back, but to teach people these four values and five daily practices in order to effectuate a new world a collective consciousness of happiness, of more than enough of everything for everyone, where everything comes through me, not for me or to me, but through me for everyone else. That's great. And I love that distinction you make through you. So talk about what do you mean by that? If it's coming through you instead of for you? That's a great question. So when things come through you, and this is a difference. We appreciate what we have, which adds value. So we expand who we are by appreciation, by gratitude. Then the only way to acknowledge what we have, to acquire the knowledge is to give it away or lose it 
or have it stolen from us or manipulated from us. Anytime we don't have what we previously appreciated, we then acquire acknowledgement. We acquire the knowledge of what we have. Now, most people, most generous people like my mom who lived to, you know, she's 80 years old. She appreciates what she has. She acknowledges it, but she never learned the third step to ask for more, to fill the bigger void. Because we live in limitlessness and infinity, that if everything's coming through us, through appreciation and acknowledgement, we need to ask for more or else our vessel dissipates and dissolves. And pretty soon we're 80 years old and we've given away our health. We've given away our wealth. Now everyone needs to take care of us, which is the exact opposite of what we were trying to do in our lives by appreciating what we have and giving it all away. So I'm here to encourage you that just because you ask for more and receive more, nobody loses. There's no guilt, resentment, or offense needed. You're just adding on to an infinity. You're adding on to limitlessness. It's not a zero-sum game. The world of more than enough of everything for everyone allows you to have everything to come through you, not for you or to you. Well, of course, that, that begs another question because, you know, David, so many of us were raised not to ask for too much, Right. So this idea of asking for more, I heard you talk about this in another interview, and I loved it, this idea of hearing no, and, and, and actually welcoming that. So talk a little bit about how do we get past some of these limiting beliefs that we might have about asking and, and asking for more? What does that look like, in, especially in the context of where I know you're coming from, which is service? oriented, but also your perception and, and uh, kind of framework for the word no. Yeah. So the only thing that should die in your lifetime is your limitations. And in a very spiritual sense, your embodiment is a limitation, is the ultimate death. Uh, that perception that there's a gr something greater than you that cares about you more than my mom cares about me or I care about my children. Um, and so using and understanding no failure, mistakes, setbacks. These are simply indicators. Let me give you an example of no. I always say when I get a no, it's just indicating I got a better place to be. So I created a 25 no rule that said, you know what? It's going to take me 25 no's to get what I want. So each time I get closer with another no, I get excited. But it really stems from when I was three years old. I had this unbelievable, generous, kind, gentle mother who still speaks to me like a second grade teacher, even though I'm 53 years old. And when I was three, I went to go put my hand on the stove. My mom has never harmed a fly. She slapped the back of my hand so hard and so quick and screamed at me, no. I immediately looked up her at three crying, mom, why are you punishing me? And, you know, she looked at me and she could see I was terrified. And, you know, that no was so disruptive in my life. And she hugged me and said, sweetheart, I'm not punishing you. I'm protecting you. I'm promoting you to a better place, a safe place. This is not punishment. That's my relationship to know because I believe there is something greater than me that loves me more than my mom loves me, but not only loves me more than my mom loves me, but this is an omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing source. So when I receive a no, when I have a setback, a failure, or a mistake in my life, I'm being promoted and protected. 
I have a better place to be, a better position to be in, a better situation. Therefore, I'm getting more and more excited to know that I have faith that there is something bigger than me that cares so much about me, guiding me to a better place with the protection and promotion in mind, not punishment. Love that perspective. So let's talk about the the three sentences that are on your website homepage, because this has been, uh, you mentioned this in, I think both of your books, but it's make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Let's break those three things down. So folks understand what is it you're really saying there? Yeah. So we live in this pragmatic world and the more we receive, the more we can give money does not buy love or happiness, but it allows us to shop. And if we shop for the right things for the right reasons, this will create more abundance and more happiness. If we buy the wrong things for the wrong reasons, we can create void shortages and obstacles in our lives, interference between us and what we already are, happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. See, I spent most of my life trying to get happy, trying to get healthy, trying to get wealthy, and trying to get worthiness. Once I realized about this greater source that loves me so much, I knew I am happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I just had to figure out and identify what I'm doing to interfere with it. And so in that context, of understanding what I'm doing to interfere with it, I'm able to create this abundant feeling and be able to live in this world of more than enough. So how would somebody apply that, this idea of make a lot of money, help a lot of help. people, have a lot of fun? How, yeah. how would that translate for somebody that might be struggling? Yeah, well, first of all, it's a practice. I think people attach their emotions to an outcome. And the minute that we put the quantitative time, space, amounts on thing, we create resistance for ourselves. And so in this quantitative world, the worst thing we can do is say, I want to make, or I need to make this amount of money in this amount of time, because the minute you do that, we create resistance. The closer you get to that end time, the more resistance there is, the more worry, the more scarcity there is. So I teach people that there's more than enough money to give to other people, to help other people and to have a lot of fun. And so in that context, I tell people, you only have to worry about three things, doing your best, learning lessons and having fun. If you do your best, learn lessons and have fun, the money will follow. Too many people think that money leads. So they attach their emotions to an outcome, an amount of money, and they create resistance, void shortages and obstacles of that amount of money. Instead of living in a world of more than enough, enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of an unlimited amount of money in the pursuit of doubling the amount of money they make as fast as they can with no resistance an effortless, abundant world of limitlessness and infinity. And if they can do that, they can do their best every day. And I created these five five daily practices to help people to have more than enough money to give and help more people and to have fun. And so in order to do that, these five daily practices, I call them new day resolutions because I don't believe in new year resolutions, simply knowing your what, what do you want personally, experientially giving and receiving wise, who can I help and who can help me? In fact, that's my daily prayer. I wake up in the morning and not only say thank you as I do when I go to bed, but more importantly, I ask God for at least 10 people I can help and 10 people that can help me. So I know my what, I know my who. Now I have to know my how. 
by utilizing productivity, accessibility, and gratitude as my lenses to be efficient, effective, and statistically successful with the activities that I've been given. You're given 24 hours of activity every day, activity you have planned, don't have planned, activity you get paid for, you don't get paid for, and your sleep. I actually have shifted the paradigm of my life. I have an unwinding routine. So my tomorrow starts today at 9 p.m. where I put my mind, my body, and a soul in a position to recover and access more information so I can plateau and grow, not live my life like the myth of Sisyphus, pushing a boulder to the top of the hill just to have it roll down or live my life like a tube, food in, food out, food in, food out. I'm living a life of expansion, growth, and acceleration by knowing my how. And if you know your what, your who, and your how, you now will know your now. Remember, 100% of the things you do now get done. People are profitable, passionate, and purposeful. People purposeful. People who make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun, they know how to prioritize their now. They know what's important to them versus what's urgent to them. So if you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, you then can apply your why, knowing you're happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. You're applying your why, identifying what's interfering with that. And instead of resisting it, stopping, breathing, dropping, and rolling back into the right trajectory. This is the idea of creating abundance, making a lot of money to help a lot of people, to allow it to come through you, and to be happy, to have fun. That's a great summary. Thank you. All right. I want to switch because I know we're limited for time. One of the key things you talked about in the Compassionate Capitalism book was around a compassionate leader. And you are saying that the key thing that this leader does is to provide value. And I would love to hear you talk more about that because many of my listeners are leaders. And what does that look like when a leader is providing value? Yeah, well, the idea is that a leader is not a prophet. A leader is an intelligent follower. A leader is not a prophet. They are prophet centers. They're empowering others to empower others. They're elevating others to elevating others. A leader is not only a mentor sharing their situational knowledge, experience, and lessons, but also a coach, someone that can bring the best out of you, and also a teacher, someone that can explain directions on how to get to where they are. And utilizing this methodology of leadership to be an intelligent follower, to be a merchant servant. In fact, my name, David, means beloved. My last name, Meltzer, means waiter or servant. So I live my life as a beloved servant, as an intelligent follower, someone who's here to elevate others through what I do, remembering that you know money follows, it doesn't lead itself. And so I myself have to be an intelligent follower to empower others, to elevate others, to plant seeds under trees that I may never sit under, detaching my emotions from those successes or comparisons, judgments or conditions. I love the line, labels are for shampoo, not for people. And uh, utilizing that as an intelligent follower to be a great leader, to empower many, to empower many, that's how I'm getting to over a billion people to be happy. Finding a thousand people like you, Meredith, who I know in your lifetime will empower a thousand to empower a thousand. A thousand times a thousand is a million. A million times a thousand is a billion. Imagine a billion people living in gratitude, accountability, forgiveness, and inspiration. Imagine a thousand uh, times a thousand times a thousand. Imagine a billion people that are happy. What type of creative collective consciousness? Imagine what this world would be like. That's my mission. 
I love that. And, you know, one of the things that really comes throughout everything you write and say is around gratitude. And so what does that look like for a leader in a position with running an organization or a team to, to bring gratitude to the situation? Yeah. So gratitude, number one, everyone has to realize is the only common denominator of happiness. No matter how rich you are, or how poor you are, how tall you are, or how short you are, no matter what color your skin is or what religion you believe in or spirituality, no matter what socioeconomic sphere you come from, no matter what variable you can think of that separates us, creates inferiority or superiority, it does not matter. If you're grateful, it's the common denominator to happiness. And so gratitude for me as a leader is to teach people coherence of gratitude. See, coherence is working with two things, remembering what we want and doing it. Remembering what we want and doing it, that's coherence. And I use gratitude, which is the most powerful of all things. It's the ability to find light, love, and lessons. It is our perspective. It gives meaning to everything that we see. Gratitude is so powerful. I've studied physics, quantum physics, and metaphysics. All the great thought leaders like Blaine Bartlett and Jack Canfield, and who I also wrote a book called uh, Creating the Life You Love With. Uh, you know, an un, unstoppable life, creating the life you love with Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, Mary Morrissey, Sharon Lecter, Oprah Winfrey. Everyone will tell you, Deepak Chopra, Asad Guru, gratitude is the most powerful thing. They'll all teach you to say thank you. So as a leader, we have to teach coherence of gratitude, the practice of finding the light, the love, and the lessons, the practice of saying thank you before we go to bed and when we wake up. What I find fascinating about gratitude is it takes 0.1 seconds. It's free and it changes your life more than anything proven by physics, quantum physics, metaphysics, Sadhguru, Deepak Chopra, Oprah Winfrey, Blaine Bartlett, Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor. It doesn't matter. Dave Meltzer. But yet by tonight, with all of that evidence of coherence, of gratitude, by tonight, half of us won't say thank you. By tomorrow morning, another half of us won't say thank you. Within three days, as a leader, most of us will stop saying thank you. We have been given the gift, the secret sauce, and we're not using it. And so as a leader, I try to instill the ability to find the light, the love, and the lessons through coherence, remembering to say thank you and doing it. That is a fabulous way for us to wrap up because gratitude, I agree, is, is the secret sauce. David, there's so much more people can learn from you. Please tell us where they can connect with you and find you and get access to resources that you've created. Thank you. I'm doing a 14-day gratitude challenge at all times to teach this coherence. David at dmeltzer.com is my email. Email me directly. I answer them myself david at dmeltzer.com. If you forget all of it, just Google me. I'm extremely accessible. David Meltzer, M-E-L-T-Z-E-R. Meredith, thank you so much for your time. May you be kind to your future self and continue to do good deeds. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into my podcast. Now head over to growstrongleaders.com and check out our two books, Connect With Your Team and Peer Coaching Made Simple. While you're there, download the free facilitator guide to find out how to implement our unique peer coaching system. Until next time, I'm Meredith Bell.